0: All right, so once you've spent some time in observation, you've written down a bunch of thoughts and ideas, you've sort of just done a mind dump, now you want to move into interpretation. You want to actually interpret what you are looking at. Not just what does it say, but what does it mean? Nehemiah chapter 8 verse 8 says this, So they read distinctly from the book and the law and of God, and they gave the sense and helped them understand the reading. That's what you're aiming at. You're helping to understand the reading. Proper interpretation is seeking to understand what the Bible is actually saying and not what we want it to say.
1: Uh, The voice that you just heard is that of Cody Kane. Uh, Cody is the lead pastor of Redemption Calvary in Commerce City, Colorado. He and his wife Micah are very familiar faces at our training events. Uh, you can often find them uh, leading groups and on panels, and Cody has delivered a few of our modules on inductive Bible study. You are about to learn about a very important key and a process that helps Preachers and Bible teachers to become students of the Bible, to look at its passages, to look at its words, thoughts, clauses, paragraphs, and discover and uncover the meaning of a passage. A phrase that I say a lot on this podcast is that we're here um, to encourage you in your personal study and public proclamation of God's word. Well, ladies and gentlemen, this episode is all about your personal study. Other episodes talk about your public proclamation, but this is for you at your desk alone with the Bible and the Holy Spirit and what sort of questions you should be asking of the text in order to find out what it truly means so that you have something to say. So, You're going to listen in on a talk that Cody gave uh, just recently at our Colorado Springs workshop. And I just want to say it right now. We're having another in-person training event. The location is Costa Mesa, California, and the date is February 18th and 19th. Registration has just opened And you could visit our website, expositorscollective.com. There's a link to get registered. We have a early bird registration of just $39. And so that price will increase. But I encourage you and any young or new Bible teachers in your lives to plan on coming to our in-person training event in Costa Mesa, California, February 18th and 19th. Okay? I'm going to get out of your way, and here's Cody King on Inductive Bible Study.
0: Okay, so yeah, it's uh, good to be able to be here with you all. My name is Cody King. I'm the lead pastor at Redemption Calvary here in uh, Commerce City, Colorado, and I'm blessed to be able to be with you today. We're going to talk about Inductive Bible Study here, and now that we've established the what, kind of the what of expository preaching, what is it? Uh, we're going to spend some time now looking at how to study the Bible. That, you know, the way that you approach the Bible is going to set you up with the necessary information to actually present an expository sermon. It's one thing to agree with the idea that this is valuable and we should do it but it's another thing to actually open the Bible and study it in a way to where you're going to be able to accomplish this. IBS or inductive Bible study is a method for how to study the Bible uh, to have confidence that you're standing on solid ground. If you want to open up your handbook to page 13, you'll have some notes there that you can look at and follow along there. I won't necessarily be going along with it, but it'll explain it for you as well. You can reference it later as well. So IBS, or Inductive Bible Study, has three parts known as O-I-A. And I actually like to teach it with a fourth part. I sneak a fourth part in there, O-I-C-A. So the O is observation. This is what the Bible says. It's the context, excuse me, the content in the context, observation of the scriptures. I stands for interpretation. This is what the Bible means. This is to say, I want the exact explanation. That's what I'm aiming at, the exact explanation. And then the C that I like to add is correlation. And that's what the Bible also says. That if the Bible says this somewhere, it probably says it somewhere else. So I'm going to look up some correlation verses for that as well. And then A is application or what the Bible does practicing the principles. Now, inductive Bible study has some inherent strengths and some weaknesses to it. The strengths of inductive Bible study, number one, is anybody who can read can do it. So you qualify, right? I'm assuming you know how to read. You can do this. It's, it's that simple. It also creates the opportunity for personal discovery of God's word. That when you open the scriptures and you see what's happening, something resonates within you. Thirdly, it develops proper theological understanding because you're not looking to get the Bible to say anything. Instead, you're allowing the Bible to tell you what it says. It also puts the priority on the scriptures. So those are the strengths of inductive Bible study. But the weaknesses of inductive Bible study are that you can develop a closed mind because you you think, I already know what this means. I've read this before. I've heard a sermon by David Guzik before on this. And so uh, I I know exactly how to, to interpret this. I know exactly what this is talking about. And it can create a lazy mind that says, I don't want to go any deeper. I don't want to go any deeper into this. And so I'm just going to leave it at that. So when you actually open the Bible and you begin to study it, what are you going to do? Well, number one, Always begin with prayer. The first thing you want to do is pray because God is the author of Scripture, so ask Him to help you understand it. Actually, actually, ask the Holy Spirit to be the one who is not only the author of the Scriptures, but your teacher as well, remembering that that's who He is. And then, as you've prayed, saying amen is, shouldn't necessarily end your prayer, but as you read through the Scriptures, continuing in that attitude of prayer, but read, actually read the text. Don't start with this great idea about what you want to preach about and this cool concept, and I saw this thing and I want to talk about that. Instead, actually read the Bible passage. Uh, And then as you do that, read the Bible passage again. And then read it again. Many times the repetition of reading the Scriptures is what's going to unveil understanding to you. You're not going to see everything the first time through. The, the, the rhythms of it aren't going to stand out the first time through. The stuff that really matters may not pop out to you the first time through, and so the repetition will be able to do that. And be sure to read your text, the biblical text that you have, in its context. You may need to back up a little bit, grab some more verses, and read a little bit after to make sure that you understand it in the context. All right. So the first thing that we're going to do for inductive Bible study is O, oh, observation. Okay, Observation, What? does it say? That's the question we're asking. What does this say? In this phase, what you're doing is you're gathering information by asking questions into the scriptures. And through asking questions, you're going to identify six primary things. You want to, number one, identify the big idea or the the main thought of the biblical text. That's what the questions are going to reveal. You want to identify the five W's and the one H, number two. The five W's and the one H, right? The who, what, where, when, why, and how. You're going to look into the Bible and say, what what is this saying? Why does it matter? How does this impact things? Who is this written to? Uh, What are the themes that are being involved in all of this? You want to also, thirdly, identify main grammatical components, you want to look at the articles and nouns and adjectives and verbs and conjunctions and prepositions. And when I say that, you're like, I got out of 11th grade uh, English class to not go back to it. Why are you talking about this stuff? And you're like, my mind stopped. What are you talking about? Okay, so if, that's hard, if those are hard words for you, what, h- here's what this means. Sometimes the small words are the biggest words. I'll give you an example. Jesus said, I am the way. He did not say, I am a way. That small word changes the whole meaning. Sometimes the small words have the biggest impact on the scriptures, right? So you want to identify those grammatical components. Fourthly, you want to identify key words. Look for the most important words or the ones that if you were to take them out of the sentence, they would make the sentence become nonsensical. Find those words. Those matter a lot. Those will under, give you understanding and unveil some more deeper meaning. Fifthly, you want to identify key transitions in your text. Look for things like compare and contrast. Look, look for things like progression this and then this. And then this, that will show you some flow in the text. Maybe cause and effect. This happened, and then this took place, all right? That's fifthly. And sixthly, and finally, you want to identify the logical outline that the text itself Presents The biblical text is going to give you an outline. We're going to have an entire module on that later, but look for it in the text. That's what you want to identify. All right, so once you've spent some time in observation, you've written down a bunch of thoughts and ideas, you've sort of just done a mind dump, now you want to move into interpretation. You want to actually interpret what you are looking at. Not just what does it say, but what does it mean? Nehemiah chapter 8 verse 8 says this, So they read distinctly from the book in the law, And of God, and they gave the sense and helped them understand the reading. That's what you're aiming at. You're helping to understand the reading. Proper interpretation is seeking to understand what the Bible is actually saying and not what we want it to say. What what is actually being presented here? Now, there are three layers of difficulty that we have to consider because the nature of interpretation is that it has layers of, co- of complexity to it and your initial thought might not always be the right thought. Okay, so there are three different layers of complexity to consider. I'll, I'll, I'll give you an example here. In Philippians chapter 2 verse 14 it says this, do all things without complaining and disputing. Somebody want to interpret that for me? What, what does that mean? It means don't complain, right? Like it's very clear, it's on the surface, do all things without complaining and without disputing. It's a plain interpretation. You don't really have to jump through a lot of hoops or figure it out. Sometimes there's a little bit more difficult things to interpret though. Leviticus chapter 19 verse 28 says this, you shall not make any cuts in your flesh for the dead nor tattoo any marks on you. I am the Lord. Mike Negley is in big trouble. I got a verse. That dude is tatted up, right? He's got a bunch of tattoos. I got a verse that says, he is bad. Okay, maybe there's a little bit more to this that we have to add, right? There's some layers of difficulty to this that we should consider. Maybe there are other things like some some, uh, context and maybe some cultural things to understand as well. So there are some difficult passages and there are also Revelation 13:18 some extremely difficult passages. Revelation 13:18 says this, "Here is wisdom. Let him who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of man; his number is 666." Six, six, six. Somebody want to interpret that? What is that? How exactly does that work? How does that lay itself out? Now, some Greek editions uh, actually record the number as 616 instead of 666. And so you have some difficulty with that that you have to figure out and navigate. Early Christian tradition actually said that Nero was the Antichrist because if you took his name and added up the consonants, it actually added up to 666. If he had, it it took his name in Hebrew. And so they were like doing all these gymnastics to figure it out. Uh, the, The thing that I want to add to this and just kind of point out is that we need to be humble with these extremely difficult passages and be willing to say, it's unclear, I don't know. There are some thoughts about it, but I'm not quite sure. We want to, in interpretation, see what the Bible is saying from the author's perspective. That's a vital component to this. You want to put yourself in their position. If your interpretation is not what the author meant or the hearers understood in that day, then it cannot be the interpretation today. That's a big thing. We we can't redefine it to fit our context. We have to look at it in their context. So look to find the author's message and then explain That. All right. There's a lot more to say about interpretation, but we'll move on. The third component is C, correlation. So we've got some observation, we've got some interpretation, and then we want to see if there's anything else that the Bible says about this. Are there any other places in the Bible that we can look to to support this concept? If the Bible passage is actually teaching this truth or principle, you will be able to find it in other places in the Bible. Scripture is the best interpreter of Scripture, right? Here's what Jesus said in John fourteen fourteen: If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. To a lot of people, that's a blank check. Oh, Jesus... I pray that you would give me a brand new lifted truck because I'm tired of driving that minivan. Right, Lord, I pray that in Jesus' name. And God's up in heaven wringing his hands saying, please don't say in Jesus' name. Please don't say in Jesus' name because then he's obligated to do it, right? Isn't that what Jesus said? I got a verse for it. No, not at all. I mean, should we add any other thoughts to the concept of prayer? Is there anything else that the Bible says about prayer that maybe we should add to this in order to understand it correctly? You see, application deals with uh, the idea, excuse me, uh, 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 correlation is to bring more verses into this uh, and to understand it. Systematically, theology books are really good for this and helpful and so too treasure of Scripture knowledge. Uh, Treasury of Scripture knowledge. All right, finally, A, application. The idea of application of the biblical text is to say, why does this even matter? Once the observations are made, once the work of proper and sound interpretation is done, and the rest of Scripture is consulted, then application can be properly and biblically made. You see, application deals with, what does this actually have to do with my life right now? Or, so what? What? So what? Um, James 1.22 says this, but be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourselves. There's a deception in thinking that just because you heard it, that means that you've done something with it. There's something that happens in your mind that thinks that because you've heard something said, that you've done something with the information you were given. We need to go further into actually doing. And so the goal of application is to bridge the gap between the biblical world and today's modern world. We're trying to get what they're saying there and put it into our world uh, today and applying it to our lives. Uh, Now, there's some things to avoid in application. You want to avoid exegesis without application. This is like, this is like, cooking a meal and explaining all of the parts of it to everybody and then not actually eating the meal. That's what it's like to say a bunch of true things about the Bible or about the biblical text and fail to actually apply it to people's lives. Fail to actually give them a handle of what to do with it. So you want to be careful not to do that, but you also want to be careful not to reverse that. Just have application with no exegesis. You start with this really cool application that you want. I thought of this thing that everybody should be doing, and so I'm going to aim at that thing, and I'm not even going to read the Bible or explain it. I'm just going to talk about some movie I saw or some thing that I want to say or some guy's book that he wrote, and I'm going to teach that thing. That is not a faithful way to handle the Scriptures. In application, you want to know your audience. It's important to be able to know who you're talking to, to be able to apply it correctly. I'm gonna, I'm gonna apply the scriptures very differently to a mothers of preschoolers group, a mops group, than I am for a junior high or a middle school uh, uh, Bible study, right? The, the Bible study for middle schoolers may have some application that has to do with call of duty where it wouldn't for the mops group, okay? It's gonna be a little bit, little bit different. So what are they dealing with? What's life like for them? One of the things that application seeks to do is anticipate the questions they will have about the biblical text before they have the question and you answer it for them. That's what you're looking to do in application. There's two major categories for the ideas of application. There's a direct one, there's a moral command or a principle or, or something that's given through scripture, you know, like what we saw in Philippians. Stop complaining, right? There's a direct one that way. But there's also principles. And you see this a lot through the Old Testament where the storyline provides a principle that you can pull out and then make application, turning that into a, a concept of action. Be careful not to, be careful that you don't uh, just avoid application altogether or make substitutes for it, saying something like, now may the Holy Spirit reveal this truth to your heart is basically saying, I have no idea how to apply this. Good luck, right? Don't do that actually take the time to apply it. All right. To wrap up, uh, instructive Bible study is O-I-C-A, observation, what the Bible says, the content in its context. I is interpretation, what the Bible means, the exact explanation. C is correlation, what the Bible also says, the scriptures in security. And then A, application, what the Bible does, actually practicing the principles.
1: Well, hey, thank you so very much uh, to you, Cody. Appreciate you uh, compacting so much content, so much wisdom into such a short talk. Um, I really, really appreciate you serving uh, those in Colorado Springs and now the podcast audience uh, with such great material. Okay, guys, uh, here's two asks for you. Ask number one is for you to prayerfully consider joining us in costa mesa california february 18th friday and then saturday the 19th for our next in-person training event it is going to be a wonderful celebratory educational inspirational time gathered around god's word as we learn how to personally study and publicly proclaim it and then here's the second ask make sure that you are subscribed Uh, whether it's on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or whatever. Because every Tuesday, we have great content coming up. And next week, I have a great conversation, a very specialized conversation with Dr. Alan Stoddard. Um, This guy did his thesis on the importance and the value of sermon-based discussion groups for churches. So if your church has a a home group system where you talk about the sermon afterwards, well, then you definitely want to listen to learn how to do it better. And if you don't, you definitely want to listen to learn why maybe you should. So make sure you're subscribed so you can catch that episode. And I hope that this and all that we do help you to grow in your personal study and public proclamation of God's word. See you next Tuesday.